This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, man, let's do this. You getting some water sound like you were uh, right next to you, right? <laughs> right What's next- that? You saying you got to go get some water sounded like it was right next to where you were at. I hear you opening the fridge. Yeah, man, I got a studio apartment. What the fuck you want from me? <laughs> I'm like, damn, did you like step away from the mic? Like, did you have to move to get the water? Or <laughs> I did. I had to get up. I took maybe ten steps. Like, Don't be man. jealous. I was like, wow, it sounds like that water is being poured right into the mic. <laughs> Jeez. Cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot cope with him. Can't do it. We talking about what up what up what up what up this is episode number 124 of the clock dodgers podcast fantasy football edition for week four of the NFL season, I am your host Neil. With me is Adam, aka the other FF guy. Welcome, sir. What up? What up? What up? What up? You can't just do. You can't do what I did, man. I mean, you gotta kind of <laughs> do something different. It's not cool. It's like that wasn't planned or nothing. You got a little originality, Adam. Just a little bit, little tiny bit would help. Next um, week. Next week. Yeah, please think about it. Think long and hard about different. You know, just say hi a little differently than me. Um, we have a lot to cover here, man. Um, let's not perform like an 0-3 football team. You know, there's no urgency. I hear bullshit like it's all funny games. We, we're about them W's, fam. We're about them W's. And this is, you know, if you're listening right now and you are 1-2, you're 0-3 like the Raiders, you got some work to do, man. We got you covered. And I, I might be a part of that 0-3 group in some leagues. And if I was, Adam... If I was, if I did happen to be a part of that group, which I won't acknowledge if I am, but if I was, like, I'd have to ask the people in that league to stop sending me weak-ass trade offers like I'm desperate, you fucks. And again, this is coming from a place of not personal experience. I'm just saying, like, if you were one of those 0-3 teams, those trade offers are highly annoying because I don't know if you've ever experienced that, Adam, but that... Start starting the season 0 and 3 and getting trade offers vibe is not good because it's as if those people sending you those offers have already assumed you've mailed it in. Have you ever experienced that? Uh, no, but I haven't know, either. I haven't 0 either. 0 and 3 is weird. I, I don't know about that. No, I haven't either, man. I, I mean, if I'm 0 and 3, though, I'm not waiting for people to send me trade offers. I'm sending out numerous trade offers. Sometimes I'm sending out so many trade offers that I'm sending the same trade offer multiple times to the same person, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, 
People don't like. People don't like when oh, they decline yeah. a trade and you send them the exact same trade it's again because you're in ten different leagues. It's not a good look. You got called out for it recently, actually. In a league, yeah, in a I did. Ours. I was oh, like, man. oh, the public call out. <laughs> Beautiful. I totally just don't remember where I've made trades. There's too like, many leagues. Wow, Adam looks certified crazy if you just look at that yeah. screenshot. It was fun. <laughs> so, listen, man. Thursday Night Football, Vikings-Rams. That's much better than last week's game, which we didn't even really want to talk about. Um, so, for those who hate starting players on Sunday, on Thursdays, you know, you're insecure about it, whatever your little personal issue is with it. Um, you have a lot of options here. And I, personally, I'm not shying away from any of them, Adam. In my opinion, I'm, I'm all systems going on, on all these guys. Um, is do, do you, Are you with me on that? Do you have any reservations about any of these guys? Anything freaking you out? Anything you're scared of? Um, you know, Tlaib, the Rams lost Tlaib to the IR. So that opens up some things for the Vikings to, you know, be a little less worried. But is there any guy that you're like, worried about in this game or are you kind of because these are you know some pretty good offenses even though the vikings struggled last week a little bit but are, are you concerned about any guys in these games or are you kind of just good with everybody that you should start not really i mean i feel like these two offenses are kind of similar in the sense of like you can trust their wide receivers that we've grown to trust like the rams are basically funneling all their targets through woods and cooks and through cup and for the Vikings, I mean, the amount of targets that Adam Thielen's getting, he, I mean, he's leading the league in targets in a year where Michael Thomas has 38 receptions. Like, it's just, it's wild the amount of targets that some of these number one wide receivers are getting. And, and Thielen is, I mean, he's demanding that target share. So, I mean, Thielen, Diggs, you know, the, the trio in L.A. for the Rams. You, I, I feel like you have to start all five of those guys. Gurley's obviously a must-start. I mean, I guess the only one that would be really like a question mark would be Kyle Rudolph, question mark if you start like Dalvin Cook. Like those are those are the only real question marks, and that's if Dalvin Cook plays, which on the short week I'm not sure he's going to. Yeah, if if, if he doesn't play, I mean, do you have any – would you start Murray against this Rams defense or would you rather not? I mean, kind of as like a what-the-heck flex, but especially after last week and them just totally just having the bottom fall out against the Bills of all teams. Like, I just – I couldn't really trust Murray. I, I think it would be a situation where I would play him if, you know, no other option felt good on my team, yeah. but I'm I'm not liking it. Yeah, that's one situation I definitely don't want to be a part of is Murray. I'm not – I've I've never been a fan of the guy, so – you know, especially when you leave the Raiders, man, I can't be just out here rooting in these streets for you. So, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So I mean, Murray against the Rams, I wouldn't be a fan of it. Again, like you said, you know, everyone's situation is different. If you're kind of backed into the wall, it is what it is. But um, I wouldn't be, you know, going into it excited. Um, but other than that, you know, there's not really too much storylines to get into with these two teams. Like I said, the the Rams lost to Lieb, which you know opens up some things for the Vikings wide receivers. But the Cook situation is one you got to monitor. Obviously, like you said, would it be in a short week? I don't even know if he does come back, how comfortable you feel at this point. But, um, you know, that's really – we covered the basics on that one. Um, one of the big headlines, speaking of, you know, hurt running backs, is Rex Burkhead. Patriots running back Rex Burkhead, which I know a lot of people had high hopes for Rex. They seem to every year, especially since he became a Patriot. Um, this obviously, you know – clears a little bit of this backfield up for us i guess in a you know in a shitty kind of way no one wants to see you know a player get hurt but it does open it up for sony james white 
I don't know if you like anyone else back there, but those are the two that come to mind instantly. Um, rest of season, Adam, in PPR, which one of those two guys do you want? And I, PPR, and, I, and I know you can want both, but I'm just saying if you had to choose one. Yeah, in PPR, I still want James White. I mean, I feel like James White's role is locked in. We know what it is. He's going to get roughly 40 to 50 receptions on the year. I mean, I feel like from a role standpoint, James White's role is locked in. Now, at this point, there's only one other role, which is the every down runner who, you know, can be on the field often enough that he's on the field in passing situations as well, but is kind of their quote unquote workhorse, which the Patriots never really have. But down the stretch, I mean, they they always seem to run the ball more. And, and Sony Michelle is, the, I mean, he's won the war of attrition. There's There's nobody else left there that's relevant. So, I mean, the Patriots' backfield kind of ends up being like this every year where it's not super productive when there's a ton of different people all vying for touches. But as soon as those touches kind of filter down to just one or two guys, then it becomes valuable. And, yeah, I think Sonny Michelle has potential down the stretch here to become super valuable. Congrats, Sonny. You have won the backfield by default. I don't know, man. Like, I feel like James White gets so disrespected. I don't know oh, what it totally is. Does. I don't know what it is. Like, he I, doesn't run the ball. Yeah, he's just but a pass catcher. He, he performs who plays running every week, man. It's like they trust him. He, you know, he, he he performs. I just don't get why, for some reason, in fantasy circles, people just don't have faith in him. Like, they they always want the other guy to, like, be a thing you know what i mean like they wanted rex to be a thing they wanted sony to be a thing you know it's like why don't you ever want james white to be a thing like why don't we ever want him to just to get more targets or more love or just you know respect for what he's already done and you know kind of what he's been doing i just oh, feel yeah. like, i just feel like he gets slighted no and he's done this each of the last two years and every year he goes at the end of fantasy drafts i love adding him late in ppr leagues because he's just that guy who you know, when all your other running backs fail, you can slot him in and feel confident that he's going to have a high floor just from the amount of receptions that he's going to get in that offense. Exactly. Yeah. So the Rex situation will open up a little more for him and make Sony, like you said, interesting. Um, you know, we'll see if he can hang in for a whole season, man. We'll see if he can, you know, stay away from injuries, if he can stay productive. Um, but I know a lot of people are going crazy for him this week. This is kind of, you know, everyone's kind of ramping up, trying to either trade for him or they're finally, you know, excited that they feel confident in starting him. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But also staying on the Patriots really quick, you got Edelman coming back next week, right? Um, we still don't know the Gordon situation. Like, I mean, have they committed to using him yet? I don't even know if they've said they're going to start him or anything. But I'm curious, you know, we kind of all know what Edelman is, you know, as long as he's, you know, something similar to what he's always been. And... A lot of people have been high on Hogan, especially while Edelman was gone and all, all this stuff. Um, but with Edelman coming back, Gordon possibly playing, hopefully soon, hopefully this week even, how do you feel about Hogan going forward? Because, you know, Hogan's been inconsistent sometimes, right? And, you know, he hasn't exactly, you know, crushed it while, you know, these opportunities have been there for him. Um, do you feel like you you got to fall back from Hogan once these guys come back? Or do you feel better about Hogan once these guys start playing? Yeah, I mean, so far, Hogan has had one reliable week of the last three. Um, and 
honestly, the other two weeks has basically been non-existent out there. But with Julian Edelman coming back and, you know, the potential of what Josh Gordon could be in that offense being there, I think it's going to be a situation where the rising tide lifts all ships and it's just going to be a better offense. And, you know, the Patriots have lost two of their first three games. This is kind of unprecedented. That being said, it's not shocking to me in the sense that without Edelman there, Brady doesn't have that kind of reliable resource to go to over and over and over. And as he's getting older, his depth of target is probably getting minimized a little bit. So having that reliable guy there all the time is probably even more valuable than it's ever been. And that's just kind of how that offense is designed. It's designed through the slot. And Chris Hogan hasn't been able to step into that role well. But when you're able to bring Edelman back and put Hogan back at his natural outside role, and then potentially you're either going to have Josh Gordon or, or Dorsett on the other outside, which Dorsett's looked really good through the first three weeks, honestly. So regardless of whether it's Gordon or Dorsett, I think you just run into a situation where the offense is just overall going to flow better, and it's going to be better for Hogan owners. I mean, if you own Hogan in fantasy, he's not done what you want him to do through the first three weeks, because... Potentially, you've started them all three weeks. Hopefully, you only started in the first two weeks and were able to get off from this past week. That all being said, moving forward, I, I mean, I don't think you can sell the guy. I think he's going to sit on your bench for the next week or two. But hopefully, as this offense starts to gel, he too starts to pick up. And his, you know, his touchdown ability is still there. I mean, he showed it by catching two in one game. I mean, having guys that can do that are huge for fantasy. So I think he's just a hold and wait at this point. Yeah, it feels like all the Patriots are, and it's like, you know, like you said, it, you know, the tide, ra- you know, raising all the ships. The only problem with that is, and you don't know what ship to use. <laughs> it's like, you know, what I mean, you're like, which ship is it this week? You know, which one's gonna have the big week? You never feel like, you know, sometimes with the Patriots, you just don't ever feel like everybody's gonna get something. You feel like it's gonna be split up, and you never know who's gonna get it. That's why I love when Randy Moss was there, man. Like, you knew Randy Moss was getting his like every single week. You know what I mean, you know, Gronk for the most part is getting his every single week, and. For the haters, James White gets his every week. But these wide receivers, man, it's like you never know. Just, I don't know. It's it's fun, like you said, for the offense. And I think that, you know, hopefully it gives them the ammo, you know, to push forward. And I kind of feel like some of my fantasy teams are the Patriots, man. Starting off a little slow, but it's okay because we've been ready for this. We were preparing, oh, you, we were you have some teams this. that are one, is, one and two as well? Maybe, you know, maybe. <laughs> Maybe we got some. Maybe it's we good, have man. Edelman. You got on. some wins. I got some teams with Edelman on my bench. I got some teams where Aaron Jones was on the bench. I got some teams where Ingram was on the bench. We prepared for this moment, man. We prepared. This is destiny. Prepared for it. This is the hustle, man. This is the hustle. You guys think, oh, this team sucks. Look at this. So bad. Then, bam. Hit him right in the face. I'm telling you, Adam. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Someone else that is risen is Baker Mayfield. Our boy Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And, you know, it's sad because that means who is not playing at him. Yeah. If Baker plays, who's I mean, not playing? To, to be fair, I, I saw all this coming the oh. second that he changed his name from Tyrod to Tyrod because <laughs> you can't be Tug Goat. It doesn't work. <laughs> so if you're no longer the Ty Goat and you're just to Goat. Well, to Goat is to Gone and it's Baker time now. I don't know about you. But Baker Mayfield is probably the first NFL player I've had in a long time that, like, his charisma actually works on me. Like, I'm excited as all get-out for Baker Mayfield to take (laughs) over. I'm like, 
raring and ready to go. I feel like he's going to hit the ground running and be extremely successful. He gets the Raiders the first start, which just seems like it was scripted that way. I mean, you know, aside from the pain that you're going to feel, which is just going to make it better for me, um, he's just in a great matchup to really thrive and to get another win. And it's going to be amazing, too, because the Browns then are going to get their second win with Baker Mayfield starting. And, I mean, the Raiders are also going to be 0-4, which is just kind of icing on the cake. I mean, really, what do you think of Baker Mayfield taking over? I mean, I'm excited about Baker Mayfield. That's, there's no denying that. I'm also excited that the Raiders are going to smash his face in this week. But, you know, it's just the way it has to be, man. It's going to be welcome to the NFL. Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Against the Raiders. Like, listen, listen, man. You don't feel like the Raiders are building up to something here, man? It's not an 0-4 record. They're building up. They're building up here, man. They're they're getting some experience under their belt. They're getting the Gruden system under their belt. Every week something flashes, man. Something flashes. Like we said, Cook, Cooper, Nelson, you know, running backs have shined a little bit here and there. If we all if we just pull it all together, man. Pull it all together. Minus a pass rush, because again, we don't know where that thing is gone, but if, I think the Raiders can pull it together, man. I'm not afraid of the uh, Browns. I'm not afraid. Am I wrong for not being afraid of them? I don't I fear mean, them. I don't fear them. That's that's fair. You haven't seen a whole game of Baker Mayfield yet. So, you know, we'll wait and see. And, and but, you know uh, what? A lot of people seem to be giving up on Amari Cooper. I got to say, I'm yes, getting a lot of questions. A lot of people are. A lot of questions, a lot of conversations that are, hey, you know, such and such is trying to trade me Amari or I'm trying to trade away Amari. And it's like, Slow down, man. I think we need to slow down with the hate on Amari. Chill out. Although I was a little concerned when he dropped the ball a couple of times last week. I was like, no, I don't start this again because we know, he, <laughs> we know he's had the drops. He's a little bit. But um, I feel like he's worth buying right now because it seems like everybody is, like, through with him. You know what I'm saying? Like, the Raiders are 0-3. You know, Carr hasn't looked that great. And then Cooper, you know, has had one good week and other two down weeks. I just feel like I just feel like he's too valuable to just – to just sell for nothing, like to sell super cheap. Like I, I literally have seen him in deals, like as if he's like a throw-in or something. Do you know what I mean? I uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm really afraid of what's gonna happen to the Raiders when they're 0 and 4, 0 and 5, 0 and 6. You know, I mean, the in week six they play Seattle. That might be a winnable game, but like I'm, I don't see them beating the Browns this week or the Chargers next week, and. I'm sorry, man. I I'm I'm I don't know. I don't know what happens to the Raiders when they start Owen, you know, four, five, six, and and they end up being the worst team in the NFL to start the year. Because right now they're one of three winless teams. And it, I, what do you do? What do you do when you pay to coach as much money as you pay to coach to come in, and you committed to him for ten years, and this is how it starts. What do you do? Well, it's a good thing Gruden's giving that money back if he doesn't win. Am I right? <laughs> Am I right? Uh, it's a good thing we're getting that money back. Um, no, but you know, listen, I, I'd be more pissed off if I'm a Texans fan, honestly, than a Raiders fan. Like, what's the deal with the Texans, man? Like, same head coach forever. Like, for a while, they've given that guy a lot of time, man. And they got all the players in place. I don't think anybody would argue that they got, you know, studs on offense and defense. So why haven't they won a game yet? You don't think you don't you think you'd be a little more annoyed at that? I mean, I think I'd be most annoyed to be a, an Arizona Cardinal fan because yeah, that true. offense just looks atrocious. <laughs> I mean, really, e- even with their like little spark last week against Chicago, they still somehow lost that game, and they just 
they look like they they don't even know how to use the best. Like they have two amazing players, one of the best wide receivers potentially of all time that you can just throw the ball to literally 50 times a game in the slot. Like, he should be Michael Thomas. Larry Fitzgerald should be getting targeted that much. Just, bam, constant targets, nonstop. And you have David Johnson, potentially the best running back in the NFL, or at least likely the best receiving running back in the NFL, and you're not even targeting him. I read a ridiculous stat on Twitter. I mean, I don't recall who posted it, so this is not my research that came up with this, but I thought it was mind-boggling that right now Buck Allen has had more targets than David Johnson through three weeks. Like, the ineptitude of that offense to not use their playmakers is just astounding to me. Yeah, it is kind of crazy. That doesn't really make sense. It doesn't make sense at so, all. So I'm curious, because you're definitely not going to say the Raiders. So of the Texans or the Cardinals, who do you think stays winless the longest? I want to go with the Cardinals. And it's for the reason that I mentioned with, like you said, obviously I'm not going to say the Raiders because I just can't believe it. I can't see it. But the Texans, I just feel like I don't even know how they haven't won yet. Like it's, with the players that they have, I just feel like they should have won by now. So I can't see them continuing to lose. You know, I think Deshaun Watson's a winner, and I'm not. I'm, I, I can't see them keep doing it. With with the Cardinals, obviously, we know like they have some glaring issues, um, you know, and so I, I can see it continuing. But I mean, we seen a little bit of light from David Johnson last week, a little bit, because people seem like they're ready to give up on him too. But it's not hard, you know, to understand. Like I said, when these teams start off really slow, I think. Fantasy play, fantasy users react too too quickly to it. I think they should calm down when it comes to the players. Like Cardinals started off slow, everyone's panicking on David Johnson. Raiders started off slow, everyone's panicking on Amari Cooper. I don't know who they're panicking on with the Texans, but I'm sure they're panicking with Hopkins. I've seen him in some trades too. Um, but I just feel like slow down, man. Like the season is just starting. A lot of these teams are in new situations. They're still feeling it out. I just feel like you shouldn't act too quickly or too soon. On some of these, I know, and I know some people are the mentality. Well, I can't wait too long either. You know what I mean? I, I get that, um, but I just feel like with some of these guys, we know they have some ability. We know they're, you know, they're they, they can be really good. And I just hate for people to trade them away and then they blow up. You know what I mean? Like things just I, come together. I completely agree. I would not panic on previous elite performers. But that being said, I mean it's a short fantasy season and. I mean, the NFL season's even short, and look what's happening in the NFL right now. I mean, you have two teams that through three weeks have decided to shift over from their veteran quarterback to a rookie. I mean, Baker Mayfield's going to be making his first start, but so is Josh Rosen. And you have franchises that are deciding that they need to try and turn a new leaf. So that, too, is relevant for your fantasy team. So, like, while I, I don't think it's worthwhile to sell a guy like a David Johnson when he has extraordinary potential and has not lived up to it so far. I do think it's important if you're in those situations where you're 0 and 3 or 1 and 2 that you're kind of making those trades to at least improve your bench or to be able to get yourself in a position where you can, you know, actually improve your team because if you just sit and wait, you may just be waiting forever. Right, and it's too late by that point. Um yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think the next couple of weeks will be telling. But like you said, you don't want to place yourself too far in a hole where it's like impossible to get out of even if you make the desperation move. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, someone that did make a big-time move, 
Uh, called thrown shot, was tired of the uh, lack of production. Titans wide receiver Rashard Matthews, man. I mean, you spoke about this on um, off the air before we came on here, but he asked for his release from the Titans. It sounds like um, you know he's just upset due to the lack of targets, and that it seems like they're going to release him. I don't know if it's been like 100% confirmed or just what he what he's been told or whatever the case is. Um, you know, I have to assume he'll get a shot somewhere. I think it's you know kind of obvious. I don't think anyone. I don't. I don't know why the Titans have moved away from him, but. I don't think, you know, he's dead in the water. So, as far as Rashard Matthews is concerned, Adam, do you think he's a sneaky kind of pickup at this point? Or do you think he's not worth the shot? I feel like, obviously, you know, it matters if you have a deep bench. And, you know, he may be on everyone's teams already anyway. But um, is he a guy you would target right now to kind of, you know, stash for some upside? Or is he a guy that you're like, you know, if the Titans don't want him, I'm good right now? I mean, I don't know. He just signed an extension before this year. So yeah. it's a really odd situation. I don't know that the Titans are just going to let him walk. I mean, I understand his frustration. He's only been targeted six times through the first three weeks. I mean, that's atrocious. When just this past season, he was their best wide receiver. And they seem to continually want to funnel targets towards Corey Davis, which I'm sure as a veteran probably doesn't make you feel good. So, I, I mean, I guess I get it from his standpoint of wanting to just, you know, be utilized. But ultimately, I mean, it's really going to depend on, first and foremost, if he's able to get released and then where he ends up. I mean... It's so funny to me because I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up as like a New England Patriot <laughs> and the Patriots oh, just man. end up destroying the rest of the season with this ridiculous receiving core that they've just built because other teams don't know how to utilize their talent. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I guess I guess it's really going to depend on where he ends up. If I have him, I'm not cutting him, but I'm probably not out there actively pursuing him i mean if he goes to a good situation it could be phenomenal but i think that there's a much greater likelihood that he just gets stuck on the team that he's on right now or gets cut and nobody else wants anything to do with him either just because the fear of i don't know the issues that might have transpired to cause the situation to be where it's at right now yeah, it's always one of the worst things when, like, a guy isn't being used. You're like, okay, this is already bad. Then he gets cut, and you're like, okay, cool, maybe there's hope here. And then he gets picked up by someone that's like, no, not that team. Of all teams, not them. <laughs> it's like, man. Like, the Patriots, like you said, that would be interesting, man. Imagine they did that. Like, I mean, not even for fantasy purposes, but just imagine they retooled that, that, that wide receiver group like that. That would be crazy. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with him. It's, it's at least, you know, it's something interesting to kind of keep an eye on. But, like I said, it sounded like. Um, I think it was on Instagram that I seen it. I forget where now, but he made it sound like he put a picture of his kids up and his wife and stuff. And he's like, hey, I'll be sitting at home with the kids, you know, unless somebody calls. And I, I don't know if that means that the Titans, you know, have agreed to release him or if, you know, what. But he made it sound like, uh, let me see, the exact quote was when uh, he has a picture of his kids and his wife. And it says, when daddy's home for good, that is unless someone calls him to get off the couch. So, yeah, he's basically holding out for a release or to be traded. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I don't know, man. I don't, when, when, when teams hold on to players that don't want to be there, it's always weird to me. Like, what is the point of this? What is the point of this, Adam? What is the point of this? That's how I feel with Le'Veon Bell. Let's get him on a roster. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Look, I want to jump to some listener questions. Um, I got a bunch of questions that I'm curious what you think about them. 
you know, I want to see what your take is on some of them. Um, the first one is from uh, Bomb Squad 92. He has says that he got offered Devonte Adams and Amari Cooper. Here we go to Amari Cooper being thrown in trades for Mike Evans. He says, "What do you think about that?" I'm thinking no because I'm skeptical of Cooper. It's like nobody trusts Cooper at this point. Like this is one of those situations where like Adams and Cooper before the season for Mike Evans sounds ridiculous, right? And here we are three weeks in, and now we're like, oh, no, it's not ridiculous. You know, like, I don't get it, man. Three weeks, I think it's just too quick to to get like that about it. But what do you think? I would probably agree with that. I mean, I think that Evans so far is the wide receiver, too. I expect he comes down to earth a little bit, but probably still finishes as a top 10 wide receiver, I would say. Um, With that in mind, Devontae Adams at this point, let me see. I think he... I'm pretty sure he's in the top 12 amongst wide receivers at the current moment. Yeah, I mean, he's 10th. So you're not really taking that big of a drop-off, uh, in all honesty. And with that in mind, like, I'd be comfortable with taking the risk and just, like, seeing what Amari Cooper can do. Because at the end of the day, you know, most of the time I like going the opposite side of a two-for-one, but... Cooper was somebody who we drafted because he was going to be getting a really large target share, and he's gotten a fair bit of targets through the first couple weeks. So, you know, that last week game of all the targets shifting to Nelson doesn't seem like that's going to be the trend moving forward. I, I'd take the pair. Yeah, see, that's what I would, too. It's not, like, to me, it's, like, easy for me. And, of course, I know I'm a Raider fan, so I'm a little biased, but I just feel like three weeks isn't enough to – totally shift me off my access that I was on before these games were played. You know what I mean? Like it just isn't enough. So like, to me, this is an easy one for me. Um, I would definitely do that trade. So hopefully he accepts that, but I understand if he's afraid of Cooper, man, it is what it is, I guess. Um, someone named John kept this short, easy and simple here. Galladay or lock it to start. Just for this week or yeah, this rest week. of season this week, just for this week. Yeah. Um, Lockett's getting all kinds of love these days, man. I know, but Galladay is too. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, yeah. See, people had there. more hype on Galladay, though, coming in. Yeah. People were, like, no. giving up on Lockett. You know what I mean? Now it's Lockett true. has come to life, man. Well, not having Baldwin there is huge. I was going to say, crazy what opportunities will do, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Targets mean everything. Yep. Um, I mean, I feel like you can't go wrong with either. I probably... I'd probably steer towards Lockett, actually, wow. just because of the situation, you know, being what it is. They're both in situations where they're going to get a good target share, but I think that Lockett's targets are probably a little bit more reliable. I don't know, though. I mean, that that one's tough. What, which side would you take? I don't know, man. Like, again, Galladay, I, I mean, when you watch him play, I'm like, man, that is a beast right there, man. Like, he just looks so dominant. Do you know what I mean? Like, you watch him and you're like, how did they not throw the ball to this guy last last year at all, really? Like, they barely used him, it felt like. And meanwhile, he's looks so good out there. And what's kind of surprised me more is he's getting a lot of targets. Like, it's not like, you know, he gets one pass a game or two passes a game and he makes the most of it. I feel like he's getting more targets than I even assumed um, because, you know, we know there's so much offense, you know, in, in Detroit and, you know, wide receivers that are already there. And I just didn't expect him to get as much, I guess, right away. And he's doing that. And so it's kind of like before you didn't know if it was going to be Tate and Jones and, like, you know, which one was going to have the big game. Now it's like, is it Tate? Is it Jones? Is it Galladay? Like, it literally could be any of the three or two of them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I 
like you said, the thing is, Galladay has more competition. But at the same time, when you see him out there catching the ball, man, it's like, this guy's good. This guy's real good. So I think it sounds weird, but I think Galladay is safer for some reason. I just feel like he's I mean, safer. He's performed better yeah. so far. Yeah, I, I mean, feel like he's a safer play, even though Lockett is, you know, you feel like he's the only guy there or, you know, one of the only guys there with, with Baldwin out. But I feel like Galladay is the higher floor to me in this in this question. Yeah, it's really close. So, yeah, I would lean Galladay probably. Uh, but, again, if you can get both in your lineup, hey, more power to you. Um, Here's something that's interesting that I, I just tried to look it up because I was curious. As far as how they're targeted, uh, Galladay's seen 28 targets to lock at 17 through the first three weeks. So hmm. that's pretty interesting seeing as, you know, Galladay's in a situation where you would think that he has targets getting spread out to more individuals. But being in a higher volume offense and being the I'm number saying. one targeted player yeah. on that offense makes a huge difference. Yeah, he's been getting targeted a lot. That's what I'm saying. Interesting stuff. Yeah, um, actually, no, I, I want to actually cement it in agreement. I think I would go Galladay, thinking about it more, definitely. It's about time you agreed to me on this show. Hey, hey, you it's convinced about me. Time. It's about <laughs> time. Um, also, Bomb Squad had another question. He said, uh, do we think that Devonta Freeman makes a comeback to relevance following this injury, or do we think it's going to be kind of rough sledding for him the rest of the year? No, I think he makes a comeback to relevance, but I, I think that that relevance is like a, you know, decent RB2 and Tevin Coleman falls into the same range. And from week to week, you know, each of them have RB1 potential and potential to kind of be just a flex. But yeah, yeah I think that, it, I mean, it goes back to kind of what we expected at the beginning of the year, but maybe a little bit more evened out between the two of them. Yeah, just kind of temper it. So yeah, he should come back. He should be relevant, but just kind of, don't get crazy about it. <laughs> um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Hama88 says, I'm dying at wide receiver. Someone offered me Watkins, Amari Cooper, and Deshaun Jackson for Devontae Adams. Should I do it? Wow, that's a heck of a package. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's Run a, through the three with me again. Watkins, Sammy Watkins, Amari Cooper, and Deshaun Jackson. I mean, oh, if high risk, high reward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it depends how bad you're hurting at wide receiver. If you're hurting dying. so bad at wide receiver that if you get rid of Adams, all three of these guys go in your starting lineup, I think you have to do it. Yeah. It's a lot of risk, a lot of reward, potential reward. Um, but when you say you're dying at wide receiver, it makes me feel like there's – how do you say no to this one, right? I mean, it's, I guess it feels like you're getting a lot there. And if you're in a, if you're in a horrible situation – it's one of those situations. Maybe maybe you're one of those 0 three teams. Maybe you're one and two. Maybe your wide receivers look really bad and you're concerned. And I could I could definitely see this making sense for that player. Again, man, Amari Cooper just getting thrown in deals. Like it's yeah, just exactly. And a lot in of there. times, a lot of times, if you see a three for one, it's like you know two decent players and somebody who's a throw in, or yeah. one really good player and two throw ins. But this is three solid assets, like. You know, Sammy Watkins has had some big games already this year, and Amari Cooper had one big game, but, I mean, he had a big game. So, like, these are guys who have production. Like, they they, they have capabilities, so I, I would do it. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I would do it also. Um, a lot of trade questions, man. Um, would you rather move Chris Thompson and, and, and uh, Burton? So the, you're definitely moving Chris Thompson and Burton, right, for either Cup and Doyle? Or Aguilar and Doyle. Whoa. Aguilar. 
And and I can't keep Chris Thompson. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I'm <laughs> like, oh, I'd rather yeah, keep exactly. Chris Thompson. But I guess uh, I mean, I, really we get wide out. They said they really we get wide out. I take Aguilar over Cup because really that's what this question comes yeah. down to. So Aguilar over Cup. Yeah, again, a lot of people seem like they're hurting a wide receiver, man. What's going on here? How's everybody hurting a wide receiver? Interesting. I wish I was in those leagues. I'd be, be making so some many. trades. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm dying at running back in all my leagues because I draft wide receivers a lot. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I mean, this is a weird year for running back where, like, people are saying zero running backs really effective, and I get that from a standpoint that there's been a lot of backup running backs that have moved into starter roles, but – at the same time, I mean, you have, like, that core group of running backs that are still being really successful that you drafted in the first two rounds of drafts. So yeah. it's interesting. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of teams that are either decimated at one position or the other. Yeah, that's how it's been for most teams. It does seem that way. Um, Chase the Goat. Listen, this is another guy that I've seen in some in some uh, trades and stuff recently. Um, should I trade Antonio Brown? and James White for Emmanuel Sanders and Barkley. Um, People are, again, man, people in fantasy are very, very, like, I don't know if it's fickle is the word or what, but, like, if you don't, if you have one bad week and you're a big-name guy that people, like, expect from, you know, they panic after one week. They get really concerned, and they they start, you know, trying to make moves and, you know, going for players that are hot in the moment. Um, and so that's kind of what this is in a, in a sense, right? This person I'm assuming is a little worried about Antonio Brown. Um, and they, you know, they, they're not, you know, the, the James White disrespect is here as always. And then, you know, they're trying to get two guys who are, you know, Sanders is on fire and Barkley's doing well. Like, you know, they're trying to get the exciting guys right now. So how do you feel about trades like this where, you know, you're a little nervous? And again, maybe this team's 0-3, you know, but I still, I don't see, I, I can't see trading away Antonio Brown, but, you know, can, can you justify it, Adam? Oh, wholeheartedly. I would trade Brown in this situation. Okay, you would. Yeah, in this situation, for sure. I mean, Barkley has lived up to everything that you were drafting him in the first round to be. And Emmanuel Sanders is performing as a top six wide receiver through the first three weeks. Like, it's it's a no-brainer in my opinion. I mean, honestly, like, I love Antonio Brown and... James White's great for what he is, but James White is not going to be an RB1 this year. Right. Shaquan Barkley is going to be a top six running back as long as he stays healthy. I mean, Antonio Brown likely should be a top six wide receiver, you know, as long as he stays healthy as well. But Emmanuel Sanders has potential to finish much higher than a James White does. So, yeah, I think that ultimately brown and barkley are pretty comparable for me just as they were coming into the season um but from you know the jump from white to sanders seems like it's worthwhile enough to make that trade got it yeah i got a lot of sanders this year too kind of just hoping for a bounce back and he's done you know exceeded expectations um so yeah and and this could be you know i try to i try to figure out like I, when I see these trade offers, I try to get into the like why, like why is this person doing this? You know what I mean? I try to figure out like what what could be the angle, and you know I try to figure it out. Maybe they think Antonio Brown's going to bounce back in a big way, which is not crazy to believe, um, and maybe they think Sanders is going to falter a little bit. You know, maybe they think Barkley's going to hit a wall because you know rookie running back. Maybe things will get ugly. People start focusing in on him. I don't know. Um, I try to you know I try to figure it out. You know to see what they're thinking, but. Um, it's always hard to trade Antonio Brown, but I, but I, I got you as far as you know the value is pretty hard to just ignore it too at the same time with this trade. Um, so I hear you on that. 
Uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, <laughs> a lot of uh, a lot of the same names pop up in a lot of these things, man. What do you think about Geronimo Allison, man? You think a lot of people are throwing Adams in deals because they're afraid of him? No, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. I mean, I think that Geronimo is he's shaping up to be that you know second wide receiver in the Packers offense as opposed to Randall Cobb. Like he he seems like the more likely one of the two. And Aaron Rodgers has supported two top twenty four fantasy wide receivers in the majority of his seasons. Now with him injured this year, I don't know if he will produce that this year. But ultimately, I think it's just you know, latching onto Rodgers and Allison's been, he's been solid. So I feel confident if you have him, but I think you might be getting a little overvalued at the moment. Yeah. Um, hopefully they can both flourish. We'll see. One other thing I wanted to mention to you, because, you know, I see this a lot happening right now too, is um, the whole Bell situation, right? You know, is he going to be traded? Is he not? How, you know, if he gets traded, when will it be? Where will he go? Um, so a lot of people are kind of, you know, they're, they're in the situation where they're like, do I hold on Bell? Or do I trade him right now while I got the chance? You know, do I finally give up on him? Or, you know, there's some positive news about him. This is my chance to move him. Or do I just wait and see, you know, where it goes? Um, I think you may have mentioned it last week that you kind of sit right now, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still in that same situation where if I have Bell, I'm holding him. But ultimately, I mean, I, I have no idea what's going to happen in this situation. Like, there were some murmurs of trade talks, but then that completely went away. So I don't know if there's even a possibility of that any longer. I mean, it's it's a it's a really weird situation. So um, if someone offered you like a Jordan Howard, like I got a guy, Fantasy God 419, said, just got offered Jordan Howard for Bell. Should I finally give up on Bell? Coming back and pull the trigger. Like, you know, situations like that are going to happen. What do you think? It, you know, is it a case-by-case basis, depending on if you're 3-0, 0-3, you know, that kind of situation to you? Or do you think... You know, it's just safer to hold Bell. No, I mean, it's definitely not safer to hold Bell. That's for dang sure. Yeah, I think it's, you know, but, it depends uh, on your record. I mean, and, yeah, know. I think it I think it really depends on how comfortable you feel about the guy coming back. Like, I mean, if, if it's Jordan Howard and you feel comfortable with Jordan Howard, awesome. For myself, like, unless I'm in a position where I feel like I, I have to start winning games, unless I'm in a situation where I'm probably 0-3, I'm not going to make that trade because I just think that Jordan Howard's ceiling is so much more capped and Bell's ceiling is as the number one player in fantasy. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I really I really don't know. And then there's also the X factor of, you know, if Bell doesn't end up going back to the Steelers and goes somewhere else, is he effective there? You know, does he get worked in immediately? What's it like with him getting worked into that offense? And if he stays on the Steelers and doesn't come back until week 10, do they use him with James Conner? And how much do they use him? You know, there's there's so many question marks at this point that I think it's, it's almost impossible to really make a clear judgment call. I would say that if you are a Bell owner, you should truly believe that at most you're only going to get Bell from week 11 on, and that if you're comfortable with that, then hold out. But if that makes you completely uncomfortable and you hate the idea of having that guy on your bench until then, then, yeah, make the trade. Yeah, for sure. And, like, man, at this point, like, can we beg the Steelers anymore to just trade this dude? Like, I, <laughs> I, I don't even get what they're doing at this point. Like, I'm I'm lost, man. Like, 
if you want the guy, are you gonna pay him or no? Because like if not, like this isn't gonna change like for any reason at all. So like what are we doing here exactly? Like what is this game that we're playing? You know what I mean? Like I just don't get it. Like I, I'm sure somebody's offering them something okay for for Bell, and I know you know they're kind of playing from a you know a disadvantaged spot at this point because you know Bell hasn't returned and teams know that. But at the same point, like I just don't get what they're trying to accomplish. Like it's just weird all around from a you know a team dynamic from you know just like distraction you know I just, I just don't get it i don't get what the point is on holding on to this and kind of dragging it out but you know you even see guys now saying like james harrison was on espn talking about uh, if i'm bell i just return i practice all week and then on saturday i say ah something came up i can't play and like just keep doing that every single week you know what i mean like so you're showing up you're getting paid but then you say oh i got this injury i can't go in can't play sunday you know like and it's like if people are gonna start talking like that and kind of throwing this out there like just move on just move on instead of you know, dealing with all this drama around your team. I mean, I just don't get it, Adam. You want them to I get traded to the Raiders, it. right? I, I might be taking this a bit far, but I truly think that Le'Veon Bell thinks that he's doing this in protest. Like, for him, this is about what the running back position has become. This is about his identity as a football player and how he thinks that he's not being valued appropriately. Right. And Definitely. that people need to recognize that. And that is what this is about for him. I think this is a total moral situation where he really feels disrespected. And that's why he's holding out. Because like you said, if it's the money, like he'd be there. It, it doesn't make sense for him from a financial standpoint to not be collecting these paychecks. And it doesn't really improve your value in the trade or in like the free agent market, especially if he gets traded. Because what's going to happen when he gets traded is the reality of positional value is going to come into play, and the Steelers are going to give him up for like a fourth round pick or something. Right. And when everybody in the league sees that, then when he becomes a free agent next year, A, the team that traded for him is going to basically get first dibs to make him an offer, and B, the rest of the league already knows what the price point has been set at. You know, it's been set by that trade. Of course, it's not in dollars, it's in picks. But that being said, they have an idea as to how the rest of the league views him as an asset. And I think it's only going to hurt his availability as far as getting the money that he thinks he deserves. This is out there, but I think that there is a scenario where Le'Veon Bell never plays football again. That'd be crazy. It'd be it'd be really sad. It'd be really, really sad. It would but be if, like a if, pride ego thing. You know what I mean? Like, you know. Well, yeah, but it's not even necessarily pride and ego because I think that that's kind of placing judgment upon it. What it comes down to is it's a it's a man who plays a position that right now is not getting paid in comparison to his counterparts. You know, if right. you look at him amongst wide receivers, he's not being paid like an elite wide receiver, which is what he thinks he should be valued as. If that's what this is all about for him, and if he's in protest to that, and if the only way he's coming back is if he gets paid like that. We might not see Le'Veon Bell play again because he's not going to get that. No, no, yeah, I, and I get that, and I want him to get whatever he wants, and I'm cool with him protesting it, but, like, at what point do you go, like, um, do you go past, like, the point of no return? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, where you're not ultimately going to get what you want, and it's not fair, and it sucks, but, like, what are you hurting in in the end game? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you never playing football again isn't really good for anybody it's not good for you it's not good for your family it's not good for your children your children's children like it's just not 
the best way to go about this. Do you know what I'm saying? So like they were offering him 14 million for the franchise, right? Is it is it that he didn't want the one year deal? I mean, they were offering him a, a full contract with like 14 million a year. They said, right? So if you never get that again, you never get that offer again at that price. Was it worth it? Do you know what I mean? I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. I wholeheartedly was it worth agree. it? That's something you just got. That's a personal decision, like you said. Like, if that's worth it to you, if it, the overall, you know, morals and your stance was more important, and that's what value you value, man, you got one life. I guess you know it's worth it to you. But at the end of the day, I don't know, man. Sometimes money's a weird thing when it comes to thinking about like your children's children and, and like, you know who you can set up for life. And you just wonder. I mean, I don't know how much he's made already. I haven't looked into it, but I'm sure he's made plenty. But you know, this was the cash, and this is a big moment. You know what I mean? And so. I just feel like, man, how, you know, if you're splitting these little hairs and you may never get this from anyone again, like, was it worth it? And that's just what I, I hope he doesn't lose that opportunity. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I agree. I hope he doesn't either. Yeah. So let's let, let so bounce over from this end. Foul or no foul? Let's just start it. Cause I have, the question I have for the first one, the first statement is, uh, Le'Veon Bell is traded sooner rather than later. Foul or no foul? I'm going to say foul. I, I think that if he was going to get traded, it would have happened pretty close to when they started saying that there were trade talks happening. I think that more likely than not, there's not as much demand as the anticipation was going to be. And it's potential that the Steelers are looking for you know a second or third round pick and they're only getting offers that are fourth round or later. Um, I mean, I don't know at this point, but from what I've seen, there hasn't been any traction, it seems like. That being said, I'd love for him to end up somewhere else as early as tomorrow. So he gets another opportunity. A team gets a new asset. James Connors already rose to the occasion for the Steelers. Like It seems like it's a win-win for everybody. It's a win-win for fantasy owners, too. So that's what I hope to have happen. But based on everything we're seeing, I'm, I'm not optimistic. Come on, man. Somebody step up and pay that price. I'm going to say no foul. I'm just, I'm just, well, I'm just hopeful thinking here just hopeful thinking man somebody's gonna do it do you have a dream spot for him to land like if he if he does end up getting traded do you have any idea of where you might want to see him go because i have a couple places in mind that are really interesting for me yeah i mean i mean there's some places that are interesting i think you know even like someone like the jets is interesting to me um who else the jets just comes to mind right away um how about the Buccaneers? Any, the Buccaneers, the Colts, right? If no one believes yeah, in Marlon Mack, you know, no one believes in the guys that are there as a, as a you know, as the guy. Le- Le'Veon Bell could certainly do it there. Um, the Broncos, nah, Freeman. I, I'm just gonna throw this out here because it would just be, it would be, it'd be beautiful. How about the Patriots? Oh man, they just rent him for the year. It would be such a Patriots oh, move. Oh, that's definitely. A and then not move. play him next year. I mean, he comes in. He automatically takes over everything in that offense as far as the running back role goes. I mean, sorry, James White, but like you're you're barely getting used. It would just be oh, it'd be so Patriots. But I, I never see the Steelers trading to the Patriots. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like that would basically just be like putting the nails in their own coffin. They'd be like, we should just pay him whatever he wanted at this point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, the next one, another running back question. Uh, LaShawn McCoy is about to bounce back with the rookie QB at the helm. Foul or no foul? Foul. I I don't see it happening. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he re-injures himself. Um, So you think LaShawn McCoy, as far as fantasy relevance, is over? 
Yeah, I kind of did before the season started. I didn't draft him anywhere. I owned him on one Dynasty team, and I tried so hard to trade him, but people wouldn't even give me like a third-round pick for him in Dynasties. So I guess I'm not the only one who thinks he's done. Like <laughs> right. I, I think that I think the LaShawn McCoy show is done, and with all the allegations against him, if they are true, I really, really hope he's done. Yeah, I was going to say that's definitely not helping anything. Um, next one, losing Jimmy G to an ACL injury will knock all 49ers players a fantasy down a good bit in the rankings and in production and in potential and in projections and every other asset, every kind of version you want to look at it, foul or no foul? Uh, no foul. Matt Breida is going to be great probably, what? and I hate it. <laughs> I traded away Brita after week one, and like I'm hating it so much right now because he's he's gotten insane usage uh, the last two weeks. And C.J. Beathard, if he does end up being the San Francisco quarterback, which is at least going to happen this week, and probably it's going to happen at least for a couple weeks moving forward. I have no idea what they'll do long term, but for the time that he's back there, he had an a addiction to throwing to running backs last year and i do not see that changing and i would not be surprised if he just is peppering brita with targets and in ppr leagues brita has rb1 potential every week like it i'm i'm broken hearted that i traded him away in, in in the league that i traded him because i think that yeah he he's on he's in position right now to be a must start guy for the next couple weeks, I think. I mean, the offense is definitely going to struggle, but those checkdowns are going to be so huge for him. Yeah, it definitely hurts you. I could feel your whole attitude change there, Adam. Yeah, um, I'm. I don't, man. <laughs> I, it just My question to you, though. Hold I on. liked Brita coming into this year, and I got overly excited in a trade that I shouldn't have made for Chris Hogan, and Chris Hogan is oh. not living up to anything that I would have liked to see. And yeah, it's not a good situation at the moment. Sometimes it's good to run these things by people, man. You know. Hey, you, uh, yeah. Me, maybe. me, and you and Josh, we had this conversation about Breeder, man. And I said, yes, me and you did. agreed with me when we said, I know. It. we said it like this is going to be the guy in, in San Fran. There's a guy. If there's a guy, it's him. It's not going to be Alf. And we both yeah. agreed on it. I thought we were both on the same page. And uh-huh. here you go, and you throw him away for Chris Hogan. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. That's. That's no bueno. And that was yeah. after our conversation, right? Don't drink and trade, children. Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> the last foul or no foul. Blame it on the a- 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 alcohol. <laughs> nah, we ain't blaming it on nothing. Number four, and don't ever do that again. Uh, I won't. Number four, Patrick Mahomes is the next great quarterback in the NFL, including for fantasy purposes. Foul or no foul? No foul. I mean, it's already proven. Guy is setting records. Like, it's insane. It is insane. Honestly, I mean, the NFL is changing. Like, we can all tell the new rules are obviously making it even more of a passing league. But what Patrick Mahomes is doing, like, when you watch him play, it's it's effortless. It's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling to watch. It, I mean... Obviously, he's probably going to come back down to earth, especially next year. But from what we saw from Deshaun Watson last year, like there is this element to being a rookie and not having any film on you and just being able to go out there and destroy. And if we thought Deshaun Watson was good last year, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is making him look terrible. 
And that's not this year, Deshaun Watson. I'm talking about last year's Deshaun Yeah, I mean, what happened to all the reports? Mahomes throwing interceptions at training camp left and right. You know, we're gonna, they're really going to mix Alex Smith. Well, who is Alex um, Smith at this point? Because <laughs> this guy is, like, ridiculous, man. He's like a highlight reel every play. It's like, it doesn't even make sense, man. You know, as a Raider fan, this kills me. This kills me to see this in Kansas City. 13 touchdowns through three weeks. It's it's just mind-boggling. But like you said, man, when you actually watch him, right, forget the stats. When you watch him and you see some of the stuff he's doing, and like you said, it's effortless, it's like it doesn't even make sense, man. Like that one play where he scrambled and like turned, and man, it was ridiculous the throw he made. Like it didn't even make sense. It wasn't even like if you just, if you put stuff together and said this was going to happen, like nobody would believe you, and like he just made it look so easy. It was like incredible. Incredible. So, yeah, man, he's the next big thing. Next big thing. It's hard to argue. And, and again, like you said, Deshaun Watson had a big year last year, you know, caught everybody off guard. He was doing a lot of amazing stuff, too. And then this year he's had a little rougher, um, you know, so so it's not crazy to think that, you know, Mahomes will have this crazy good year and then next year not suck, but, you know, come down some um, from, from this high that he's on right now. But it's really cool to see, man. It's cool to see young guys come into the league and, and, and do stuff like that. Even if they're on your, you know, the rival of your team, your favorite team, and all that good stuff, but uh, he's good, man. He's good. How how much has, you know, the way he's, you know, shocked us or surprised us at this point? How much has it elevated other Chiefs for you? Like, has it changed a lot for you, or do you feel like, well, I already like Kelsey, you know, I, you know, I expected him to do good. I already liked Hill. I expected him to do good. Like, has he changed any anybody else on that team a lot for you, or do you feel like? You know, those expectations have kind of stayed the same. Just Mahomes has gone up. Yeah, I think it's that. I mean, my expectations, like, as far as Tyreek Hill goes, over the summer, it went from he's a guy who's going in the third round that's probably too early to I'm taking him every time he's there in the third round <laughs> yeah. to I'm reaching on him and taking him in the mid-second round. Like, that's that's what it was for me, and I love it. Like, I own Tyreek Hill in a lot of places, and – He's obviously not going to be peppered with a ton of targets, but man, is he efficient. And just his his ability to have these huge fantasy performances is just huge. I mean, Travis Kelsey, he was completely absent in week one, but then in week two exploded. So, I mean, he obviously retained such huge value. But yeah, as far as their other pieces go, I mean, they're definitely going to be useful. But as far as feeling like confident starting them in fantasy, I just... I, I don't know how often you're going to feel confident. That's fair. That's fair, although I feel confident. I mean, like you said, Kelsey, Hill, I mean, you feel confident in those guys. My home, every, obviously, everybody wants him at this point. He's like, you know, the guy everyone's trying to trade for and whatnot. But other than that, you know, we'll see. I mean, Mahomes is obviously raising everybody's bar, you know, around him. But, you know, enough to make them fantasy relevant in a way that you can trust them or, you know, go after them. It's probably not, you know, as high, except for the guys that we already expected it from. Um, a cream hunt struggling a little bit though. You concerned there, man? Like he's not looked good. I'm not concerned. Uh, you know, when you play on a really prolific offense like this, touchdowns will come. And we saw that this past week, he isn't looking great. Um, just from like an overall rushing standpoint, that being said though, I think that if they start utilizing him a little bit more in the passing game, that we will run into a situation where ultimately, it's it's again kind of that rising tide situation like i don't know if kareem hunt is going to be as good as people drafted him to be but i think that he's going to be a reliable rb2 who you start week in week out so yeah not a bad buy low if you can get him at a you know at a cheaper rate um 
Yeah, depending how cheap, yeah. Yeah. Definitely not going for Amari Cooper prices yet, but uh, keep the eye out for it. Maybe you will. <laughs> All right, man. It's show and tell time. It's show and tell time, man. I got a news story I want to share. Um, this happened a couple of days ago, I think, but I'm just talking about it now. But um, I want to hear kind of everybody's take on this. Um, so, of course, you know, holler at me, tag me on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, at Clock Dodgers. I want to hear your opinion on this. Um, and Adam, I want your opinion, too, because I think I'm curious to your reaction to it. Um, so recently, I don't know if you've seen this story or not, a gentleman by the name of Stephen Bellissimo, I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly, he turned 100 years old, Adam, which is a big deal, right? It's a big deal. 100 years, it's a long-ass time to be alive. You know, it's a definitely a milestone to hit. Um, and, and Stephen is a big Chick-fil-A fan, right? Visits Chick-fil-A frequently. I, don't, I think it was daily. I don't know how often, but I think it was pretty often. Um, and Chick-fil-A offered him chick-fil-a for life for free <laughs> for life that's for hilarious free. so i'm curious i'm curious do you feel like you know this is truly a great brilliant gift from chick-fil-a or do you think this wasn't like thought out long enough because it's coming across a little grimy when i think about it i mean he was excited he was like oh you know i could i never seen this coming like this is like one of the greatest gifts i ever could receive and i'm like yeah it's cool i mean if you like chick-fil-a that's awesome but like for life when you're 100 i mean who knows right you never know I'm not saying i'm not putting a, t- a t- timer on this guy but i'm just saying what how, how do you feel from like chick-fil-a's perspective like like, could you have done this if you if you were Chick Fil A's representative? Could you be like, yeah, let's give him Chick Fil A for life? Like that makes lots of sense. Or would you be like, no, we can't do that. We can't do that at all. <laughs> no, this is awesome. This is great publicity. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about it. This is so true. Obviously, it's effective. This is like, true. And I mean, often these companies will give lifetime supplies to people or things where they get a card and they can go anywhere and. They never have to pay, and it gets no publicity. But this one's getting a ton, apparently. <laughs> so they're doing something right. I mean, honestly, hats off to you, Chick-fil-A. Great marketing scheme. Uh, I'll be one of the few people to say it. I think you're the most overrated fantasy. Or, I'm sorry, fantasy. most overrated fantasy. <laughs> those, those words are just like they're, they're set to go back-to-back in yeah, my mouth. They're, they're like, overrated in your fantasy. mind, yeah. man. I know. Overrated fast food place, though. I don't know about you, but Chick-fil-A has always been so hyped up to me, and every time that I've gone there, it's been such a letdown. No, you're definitely wrong. You're definitely right. Well, number one, you're, you're chicken tenders central, and yeah. I would argue that they do not have that good of chicken tenders. They're not bad, but they're yeah. not like. No, I'm, not, exci- I'm not crazy about not the chicken exciting. tenders. I'm not crazy about the chicken tenders. I just get the chicken sandwich, spicy chicken sandwich. You get a chicken sandwich, Mr. Yeah. Chicken Tender? Yeah, man. Yeah. It's it just a piece of chicken with bread. It happens. It happens, Adam. But <laughs> listen, their customer service is elite. I will not argue that. They have their elite. customer while, service is While McDonald's is charging me for sauce. These guys would give me a box of sauce if I asked for it. <laughs> they are they offer the box of sauce. I don't even have to ask for it. It's ridiculous. So I can never. I, there will never be slander for me on Chick Fil A when you got McDonald's charging me twenty seven cents for sauce. Um, so yeah, man, I'm not gonna do it. Also, to to be fair, I did say I did see also an article where um, some a, a woman I don't have her name in front of me, but a woman gave birth inside a Chick Fil A bathroom 
um, because they were on the way to the hospital and just couldn't make it in time or something. And so she started giving the baby. She had she had the baby born in their bathroom, and they gave the baby free food for life. So to be fair, I guess they were trying to offset these two uh, these two deals. They went they went on the, each end of the spectrum here. Um, the the baby getting it for life that's a big deal. Um, you know the hundred year old man. You know not as cool, but I get it. Um, so yeah, to be fair, they're not. He's not the only guy they gave it to for life. It's not just a hundred year old people that get it. You know what I'm saying? First newborn, just this newborn could be lived to a two hundred. Who knows, man? The kids these days live forever. So um, that's cool of them, right? It's cool that they're doing it. I don't know. I don't hear about a lot of other companies doing this. You say they do, but even if you hate on the chicken tenders, food for life, Adam. It's hard to beat. It's hard to beat, my friend. Do you have anything to show and tell today? Yeah, I mentioned it to you before the podcast, but uh, before we started recording, I was listening to uh, an interesting interview that that I'll recommend. Um, last week, we talked a bit about UFC 229 coming up with the big fight between Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Conor McGregor. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm super hyped up, and everything that keeps happening around it gets me even more excited. And uh, they just recently had a press conference that was super, super interesting. Um, Connor seemed pretty drunk and very, <laughs> out, like irate. It was, uh, it was, it was great. Um, but, uh, with that being said, a lot of the things that Connor was saying in the press conference to Khabib seemed like they had a lot of underlying information that a lot of the general public isn't really aware of. Um, specifically things about Khabib's, um, coach or the owner of his gym having like some really negative political affiliations uh in russia and i wasn't really familiar with any of this information but the thing that i would really recommend to people who are interested in the subject is uh there's an interview that was just done on the mma hour today uh with the journalist kareem zidan uh who really like breaks down the whole thing with the accusations that mcgregor made to khabib and basically kind of gets into this really fascinating story about how both, you know, Connor and Khabib come from these countries that are pretty impoverished. And when you come from these impoverished countries, a lot of times you get these rich oligarchs who will invest in things like MMA gyms because they're interested in fighting as a sport and they don't have the best history and the best I mean, they're, they're honestly, some of them can be considered war criminals. I mean, it's a fascinating interview where you kind of get to unpack this whole background as to how these fighters really are able to, you know, rise up and and get recognized and be on this platform that is the UFC now. Um, but realize that it comes with a lot of dirty laundry being affiliated with a lot of political influences. And to me, it just kind of brought this huge global scope to the fight that just made it even bigger. And I mean, I'm more excited than ever. Yeah, it's going to be a big fight. And it definitely sounds interesting. I got to check it out. I mean, like you said, we spoke about it and I hadn't, haven't seen this yet. So I definitely want to check it out. And they don't fight this weekend. For anyone listening who doesn't know, they don't fight this weekend. It's the following weekend. So you have time to catch up on what Adam's talking about. You know, all the stuff that's been leading up to this is, you know, any, anytime you got a Conor McGregor fight, it's going to be entertaining. And, you know, didn't he threaten, like, could be even say, like, don't go back to Russia and stuff, too? Um, yeah, when they faced off 
uh, I actually I just saw it today. I hadn't seen this even when I watched it live because you couldn't get the actual audio that Connor was saying to Khabib. Uh, but Connor kept saying, "I'm gonna make your lips blue." Like, hmm. like <laughs> he's gonna kill you. And honestly, it was uh, it was kind of crazy in the in the actual um, press conference that they did when Connor was talking about the incident in New York when he threw the dolly through the bus window. Um, you know, he he first stated that the first thing that he did was he showed Khabib his hands because he wanted to make it clear that he didn't have a weapon on him. Um, but Connor went on to say that if Khabib got off that bus, that Connor would be in a jail cell right now and Khabib would be in a morgue. So hmm. he has really escalated this to, it's not just a fight, like, I want to kill you, which to me is a weird gray area in fighting, where it's like, we get it, you guys are, are fighting, but... There's always been this sense, especially with the UFC being, you know, first and foremost, mixed martial arts and kind of that belief behind martial arts of respecting your opponent. That's gone out the window with a lot of the publicity and stuff, but we like to think that at the core, these guys don't want to cause irreparable damage to one another. That doesn't sound like it's the case here. This sounds like it is a fight where the ref might literally have to stop the other one from really doing serious permanent damage to the other. And I have no idea what side that's going to go on. I don't know if it's going to be Khabib holding Connor down and just demolishing him, or if Connor's just going to be standing up and connecting with Khabib over and over. I mean, I don't know about you. The more I think about it, the more excited I become. I mean, it's, it's such an interesting fight in the sense that they're both elite at the thing that the other one is pretty awful at. And it just, I have no idea how it's going to match up. And I'm, I'm super, super excited for it. Yeah, I agree. And, and just like you said, adding these things that, you know, the, the thing you're talking about here um, with all this background stories and this possible, you know, all, all this like scandal and stuff, like it just makes it that much more intense if, if you consume that stuff. If not, you know, a lot of people aren't going to see all that and they're just going to watch the fight because that's just, you know, Connor brings crowds or whatever, kind of like Mayweather and, and whatnot. But if you watch all that other stuff and, and read all that other stuff and get into it, it just makes it that much more, you know, sweeter and, you know, weirder and conspiracy theory-ish. <laughs> so <laughs> it's definitely worth it's definitely worth checking out. But uh, we'll see, man. Soon we'll be talking about it on the podcast. We'll be like, yo, did you see that fight? So I can't wait. Um, but other than that, man, that's it for today. I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else that we left out that you feel needs to be mentioned before we go? I mean... Do we talk about the Raiders anymore, or are you just yeah. gonna like? We're just gonna let it let it be, and we'll see what happens after next week. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll make a promise to you: if the Raiders lose to the Browns, we will not mention them once on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we'll do. So, I'm not allowed to mention them. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess you can, but I can't respond. Can't, so don't ask me questions. Can't talk about Baker Mayfield yeah. beating the Browns to their second yeah. win after. Yeah, being you you can talk about them. Able to get two wins in the past two seasons. You can talk about them. I cannot respond. So oh, okay. Yeah, so I can't <laughs> talk about Raiders. So if like we bring up the Raiders and the Browns, I'll only talk about the Browns and what they did to the Raiders. I can't talk about the Raiders in any way. So 
hopefully for my sanity guys you know the raiders pull this out <laughs> so uh don't forget follow me on twitter and or instagram aka the gram i like calling it the gram at clock dodgers c-l-o-c-k-d-o-d-g-e-r-s yes for anyone who finds it difficult um i'll follow you back because it's all love so definitely reach out you can also follow adam at the other ff guy just how it spells sounds t-h-e-o-t-h-e-r-f-f guy g-u-i i feel like it makes it more confusing when i spell it but I don't know. At the other FF guy. As always, be kind, be great, keep dodging. Keep dodging. This guy here. <laughs> this guy. This guy with the keep dodging. <laughs> <laughs>